0: Welcome to the Border Collie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Martina, obsessed like you about Border Collies and dog training. Follow me to know more about this amazing breed and to learn from many inspiring dog professionals on how to make your training journey a success. Hello, Border Collie geeks, and welcome to a new episode. I know you can't see it. But if you go on my Instagram account, you will be able to see exactly where I am while I'm recording this podcast, um, because I've gone live on Instagram and I have published the live as a reel. And I am sitting in a field with some sheep and tay, um at the top of a hill. And I'm looking down to, I can't remember the name of this glen in <laughs> this exact moment, but I'm looking down a glen in Scotland with the river, the mountains, I've got birds chirping around. So I'm recording with my phone. I hope that um, the quality of the audio doesn't disappoint. Um, If I'm coughing, I'm really sorry. I've got a big back cold that is getting better, but I'm still coughing every now and then. And yeah, I decided to record a podcast episode from here. Um, I'm outside, but as you can probably hear, there's not much going on here. Sheep are eating, so they're not even making any noises. Terry's lying down watching them, which is good for him. Because he, yeah, he doesn't have the chance to do that a lot. And it's, it's doing him good to just lie down and relax and just watch the sheep. And um, I'm going to take a picture so I can use this for the podcast that goes on my website. Um, so today's podcast is a bit of a storytelling um, rather than a real just just a few things that i i keep thinking while i am in a place like this so um if you lo- listen to my previous episode which is an interview to Kathy Freeman um i'm at Kathy's i'm um staying with her for a few days i've done that many times in the past where i come and stay and help around and and in exchange i can train my dogs Kathy gave me some lessons some tips on how to improve things and of course, with the project of taking the farm, which is getting closer and closer and closer, I ask for help in a way that I've never really every time I helped in farms or worked in farms, I never did it with the mentality of one day it's going to be my farm, and I need to learn things because I'm going to have to do them um So when I try to remember everything I've learned, you know I didn't learn it the way that I wanted to learn in order to remember it. So I said to Cathy, I need to just, you know, get back to practice on a few things and just go through things so I can remember them. And then, you know, also how to use the dog in a lot of situations where I've never had to do it for a long time. You know, I always come and train the dogs, but I've never had to use the dogs properly for jobs before, um, partially because I didn't have a dog. Um, Jock was still young when I used to come and not the level of training wasn't there, and Moss wasn't very reliable. So um, now I have Jock, that is seven years old, very reliable, we have a good relationship, he's a good boy. And I asked Cathy to to help me, just, you know, getting some training in for me and the dogs. And so that's what we did. So we did a bit of training with Tate, which of course is still young and learning, so it doesn't work yet, Is not suitable to help on jobs, because you can't rely on him, you know, getting out of situation having the yet the the experience to do it or the training to do it but we've been using jock a lot so jock has been gathering in fields that are not the usual one because normally we train down in cheshire everything is quite flat and clear while the fields here in scotland you'll see from the videos if you go on instagram and watch some of the videos are full of rushes ditches rocks and they're very steep. So he had to learn to do outruns through the rushes, jump over ditches, learn to go and get the sheep without killing himself, which I'm very surprised that Jock can do that. <laughs> hes I've always said that Jock doesn't have a great self-preservation, but you know what? Put him into his own world, in his own environment, and he's got a very good brain. I, Cathy herself said that he's, he's got a good brain. He can think very well and he can... You know, he can think on on what to do without me having to guide him all the time, which is very nice. He he was a nice surprise. Um, I feel better because I know I have him now that can help me when we move to the farm and I can rely on him. Um, So we did gather in fields that are quite difficult for him. He helped penning sheep and work in the pen to move the sheep through the run. When you have to treat some sheep or you have to check them you put them in a pen that goes then into a run. So they go in one at a time in the run, in a, in a in a line. And then you can check them. You can treat them if you have to give them any treatment. And then you can let them out. And then the next group comes in. So it's been helping with that. We've done some shedding as well. Today we've done a sort of a trial. Um, so we've put like a course, like the one you see in one man and his dog, sort of. Or in trials, if you have seen them on TV or in reality. And with a little course. Of course, me and Jock are not at a level of trialling and we're probably never going to trial. Um, but it's good to see what we can or we can't do. And we did a good it did a good outrun. It did a sort of a good fetch. Um, and then we had to do a drive and that's where we lost it. Um, the trial the trial the the simulation of the trial was down going downhill. So um once it brought the ship back to me at the top of the hill then I had to turn the sheep around and go downhill again to do the drive which means that is that part where the dog is pushing the sheep away from me and that's where we lost the sheep because they started running downhill as fast as possible and he got excited so he had to go and cover them so we lost the drive but never mind he wasn't you know he wasn't trying it was just to see what we could do and then we very very surprisingly managed to shed two sheep out of five which I wasn't expecting we could be able to do because we've not done many practice and a lot of practice on that. And the, the the practice we've done, it was always sheep that wanted to shed. So it's the first time ever in the middle of a field that we managed to shed two sheep out of five. And I was very pleased with myself and him. I've learned a good lesson on how how to do the shedding today. And then we managed to pen again sheep that in the middle of a field are quite wild. Um don't really want to go into narrow spaces and we managed to do it so that was good um um, and then we did some precision work again for the drive later on um with Tay things didn't go today as planned he did a very good yesterday and the day before but today I took him down to the field where there are sheep that are more suitable for training young dogs and I sent him around and he didn't Covered the sheep that started to run away and I asked him to cover again but at that point they were just split and he couldn't do it so we lost them and I was very pleased because I could stop him I tried to send him I knew it was impossible to recover them so I stopped him and called him back and he came and that to me is at the end we lost the sheep and that was my fault his fault and but we still had a good outcome because we actually you know I know I can call him off sheep which up to three days ago I wasn't 100% sure I could so I'm happy with that um and yeah and so now Tay and me are here that just look at the sheep and and relax and we had a bit of a walk uphill with him pulling me so that he's done some exercise today um now so I'm here learning for my future but also every time I come to this place and Katja has always a few dogs in training now when she talked on the podcast she mentioned some dogs I'm not sure if the ones she mentioned are the ones she has at the moment a few they are and she's got two dogs in training that are not her dogs one of her dogs is away at the moment doing experience with someone else before coming back and I just wanted to chat about the dogs because of course you know this podcast is all about the border collies and it's always to me every time I I'm exposed to, you know, farms and the reality of farms. I wish you could all be here with me and actually see what these dogs that are bred to work are like when they are in a farm. Because we put a lot of pressure on socialization. We put a lot of pressure on training and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do right from the beginning in order to have the dog of our dreams. And sometimes it doesn't matter what you do, things are going to go another way. And it's not to make you feel bad about a future dog you might get, but if, to make you feel better if you have a dog now you're struggling with. Sometimes it doesn't matter how much we plan our training with our dogs. And and I, I hear it all the time when I have people coming to me and say, but I've done all the socialization, but I've done classes, I've done this and then my dog is still reactive, and my dog still you know, react to other dogs. And my dogs still bark at people coming into the house. And you all feel like failure because you failed some parts of the plan and you have a dog that is not the dog that you were hoping for. Well, I want to tell you this. Genetic, unfortunately, and fortunately, depending if it's a good or a bad thing in your situation, plays such a big part that sometimes it doesn't matter the work you do. Things are going to go not as you expected. And I talked to this about with with, about this with Kathy as well because you know I come here and I see six different dogs that are all different. Two of them are related, uh, I think, or yeah, two of them I think they're related. And out of six dogs, only probably Two would be suitable, and I mean would be, I don't know, but could be, actually let's say could be, could be suitable to live a pet, a pet life. Only because they've got good temperament, they're very biddable, and they're very, you know, they are similar to my jock, similar to Tay, those dogs that are easy to train, biddable, they want to please, they don't have traits that might tell you that they could become... Reactive, fearful, noise sensitive noise sensitive. Could they be chasers? Possibly. There is the option that they in a in, in a in a urban environment they, they could start chasing, you know, cars and bikes. Um that's something that, of course, independently from the dog temperament can happen anyway, and that's more about lifestyle than temperament. Um, but the other four, possibly. Would not be suitable, and these are still the same dogs that you might go and buy in your local farm. So two of them are. Mm, maybe there is a third one that could be suitable actually as a pet. Um, now that I think about it, very, very, very biddable, a bit shy, but very biddable, and possibly a good yeah a third one. So a fifty percent of them have the temperament that could cope with being pets. Just from a temperament point of view. Yeah, they're not fearful. They're not aggressive. They're not... Um, they don't show not, n- too much sensitivity. Um, one of them could, the third one that I'm thinking about, could be a bit too sensitive for certain environments probably. But, I don't know. Until you, unfortunately, until you put that dog into the environment, you, you would never know. Um, so, the two that I'm sure have good temperament, they are a female and a male... The female, and it reminds me of Jock, just in female version, to the point that she's breeding her, and I'm considering a puppy because she's the type of dog that I like. She's very keen, very loyal. As soon as you stop with the quad, as soon as you stop doing something, she's next to you. She doesn't want to go off doing her own things. She waits for you to tell her what to do. And she's a dog that actually came to Cathy last year. At five, she's six years old, so she's not been with Cathy all the time. Um, So I, I have no idea how she was brought up. Possibly the very good setup, with people that care and people that do things with dogs. But we don't know. You know, she's a a farm dog. And still she saw me the first time, saw my dogs for the first time and ignored completely the dogs like they never existed. But if they come to her, she'll say hi and wag her tail. And she came and said hi to me, wants cuddles all the time. When she finishes working, you tell her that will do. And she runs to you and lays on you and wants cuddles, that type of dog. very fast, very fit. Um, She just wants to do for you. And as much as probably is a dog with a lot of stamina that needs a lot of work, she's still got that temperament that to me would potentially be a good pet bar sport dog. And then there's Ben. Ben has been bred by Cathy, stayed with Cathy for a while. Then she sold him to someone, but then she brought him back because the person couldn't handle him. And he, he reminds me a bit more about Tay. Very soft, very lovable, big boy. And he's going to be home in a pet home because she doesn't want him to go just to anyone. And because he, he already showed that changing a handler, he struggled with changing of handlers. She doesn't want to risk it again. So, and he's a dog that as long as he has an active life and someone to cuddle him is a perfect, you know, sofa dog that will cuddle you forever. And she decided to rehome him in six. Now he's a dog that needs work in a way that you know you can't be just a couch potato, but as long as you have an active life, he's happy to do the active life of a pet. And she decided that she prefers him going in a happy home than going somewhere to work and then she has to take him back because he doesn't take to another handler. And that's a choice. And Again, I know his lines. She's bred them multiple times. I've followed a few of them. She's had a few of them. They're very solid dogs. Noise. There's no noise sensitivity. There's no aggression towards other dogs or people. Is proper, you know, solid good dog. Now we have the third one that I'm like, yeah, maybe. Is a very very young, seven months old, eight months old puppy, My male puppy. So he's still an adolescent, but again, he saw me for the first time, very biddable, very loving, be sensitive maybe, maybe even too sensitive to work sheep. and He doesn't cope with pressure very well in training. So, you know, if you ask him to do something and he wants to do something else and you have to tell him, no, no, you have to do what I'm asking you to do, he does suffer a bit that pressure of, no, 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 I want you to go left instead of right. So he might end up as a pet as well um, or rehomed to you know, a small holding or something, is not, Cathy doesn't own him, but anyway, this is to say that, you know, it could be. Now, the other three are different, one of them is one of Cathy's dogs, and she's her second dog at the moment, the one, the youngest, she's two years old, so she's still, she started running her in trials, and she is, um, she told me that she knows the lines very well, And they are lines that are known to be aggressive. And by that is aggressive toward people, aggressive toward dogs and aggressive toward sheep. That's how the handler, the farmer, the shepherd wants them. He grows them up in a pack and then he tries them on sheep. And the one that is most aggressive is the one that he keeps and breeds from. Why? Because that's how he likes them. You know, a lot of people like to fight when training a dog and they like a dog that fights back. And she saw me the first time she growled and barked at me she saw my dogs the first time she she growled and barked at them she got used to me very well to the point that i can cuddle her now and she comes up to say hi and the same she does with jock she likes jock now she gave she gave me a bit of a smile today but then she wagged her tail and went off and she is a dog that has immense stamina of all the dogs on the farm, she's the one that will probably carry on and carry on and carry on. She's got muscles like a pit bull. She's one of those... She's, she's the same size of jock, although she's a female. And this is just to tell you, she's one of those dogs that would really struggle in a home environment. Because she has potential the gen- temperament. She has a, as a puppy. So, Kathy did the same thing that she did with the other one, the male that I told you about, that she had as a puppy. She grew them up the same way, still this one she said it was reactive from the moment you know she became aware of people and dogs and it's in the genetic it's in the temperament of the dog it's it's genetic it's not something that you have created and it's not something you have now in a in a, in a home environment where she had early social more socialization that she can get into farm would she been better maybe maybe she would be worse because she would be forced to see a lot of dogs and people and instead of getting used to dogs and people very quickly like she did with me and my dogs she actually could have escalated to more reactivity because that's the reality of things the more you expose a dog to, to to things that they don't like the more they trigger and that's that's what we try to avoid when we want to say okay let's reset everything by not allowing the dog to trigger for a long time until we you know, and that's that's we talked about that a, long, a lot, a lot in other podcasts. So, you know, I see a dog like her, and I'm like, "This is your puppies that you go to the farm. You see a very cute black puppy, and you take it home, and then the puppy starts reacting. It's in the genetic, of course. If you go and buy the random puppy down the far in the farm, you don't know these things because they're not going to tell you. Because, why they're not going to tell you this? Because they don't really care if the dog lives in a farm and they have to do their job. They live in kennels, they come out, they work, they go back in kennel. If they're aggressive, they're not going to come out when there's kids around that are not known to the dog. They're not going to come out if there's dogs around, they're not known to the dogs. They live in their farms and they work and they go back to their kennel. They don't really care. As long as they're not aggressive to the person that is handling them and training them, they don't care. So this is where to me, it's so important that you do your research when you, when you look for, for, for your next dog and make sure that you know the lines, that you ask questions, that you go and visit as much family as you can of that dog. Siblings on previous litters. Parents. Siblings of the parents. And if you can't, then go to the next litter. You know, try to do as much as possible your research because what you'll take home it's behind your dogs in the genetic of the dog. <clears throat> now, very quickly, I'm going to talk about the last two dogs that are here. They're not. Um, no, one is owned by Kathy, and the other one is not. Um, so, these, yeah, uh, one is in training, and the other one is one that Kathy has. And they're both very skittish. I think they're related. They're both very skittish. They're both very sensitive. They would be dogs. They would struggle so much in a urban environment with a lot of noises and a lot of movement. They shut down very quickly. Kathy has to be very gentle with them because if she puts too much pressure to ask them to do something, one of them will stop working sheep. And the other one will get too excited and will start nipping. So both of them at the moment are worked with a muzzle on because they bite sheep when they get to a certain level of arousal. And she doesn't know. At the time now, they're around a year old. She doesn't know if they're go- she's going to be able to get them out of biting, so she doesn't know what the future of these dogs is from a point from a working point of view. Um, she might find, at least for one, a working home, but she has to tell the person that is buying the dog what the problem of the dog is, and she doesn't know if she could be able to, she will be able to trust them completely. One of them is working a bit more, is a bit older, so I've seen her working. The other one doesn't, is not owned by her, so she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have expectation for now. It's just doing it for a friend as, as, a, as a favour. Um, but yeah, so both of these dogs, when they go into either too much pressure or too much excitement, they nip. What they do on sheep is likely that they will do if they were possibly in a home family situation. Now, they don't try to nip you. They're not aggressive. They're very, very subdued and very, very, very... One of the two saw me on the quad and I wasn't expecting that a second person was there and she ran off, just to say, you know, and they were not abused. You know, they they were, you know, she knows that they were coming from a situation where they probably have not been handled much and probably have not done at least one of the two, um, but not been abused. So it's just, you know, it's that kind of sensitivity. Um, Again, possibly genetic, Um, possibly, but anyway, this is to tell you that these are the dogs that are eventually, you know, even the aggressive one will be bred. Why? Because she has great working abilities and in the hope to using her with a dog that has a very good temperament. She might be breeding dogs that work very nicely and have a great stamina and can work all day for you. That's what it's important at the end of the day. She's not aggressive with the people that she knows. She's not aggressive with people that work her. She's not going to bite you. But she is a dog that potentially, in a home environment, in a urban environment, in a pet environment, could develop, you know, reactivity to strangers outside of the house. Because when you live in a city, you have a lot of people going past your house. While here, there's not much going on. Um dogs because of being forced to see a lot of strange dogs it doesn't happen here very much she goes to trials with Kathy and she's okay um but you know coming into your own home is a bit different but this is just to tell you that you know it's not the the breeding of a working dog has different criteria and different expectation from a breeding for your family environment, and it doesn't mean that you can't get a working dog. You can, but you need to make your studies, and you, you need to you need to do your your homework. Find out how the parents are. Find out how the siblings are. Find out a lot of things before you decide. Yes, I'm taking that puppy home. And I know I've said it many many times, but every time I come to a place like this, and I see the dogs that you know, are the real border collies because they're here, Scottish border collies here because they're bred to work. I can see all these kind of nuances. And, you know, I, 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 I felt the need to, to just point this out and tell you, um, because every time I see these dogs, then I think, oh, what about this dog in a pet environment? You know, would it be one of my students that come because he can't cope with seeing dogs at 50 meters away or it's got too much energy, so he needs work. Now, of course, we could open another Pandora box, which is, you know, keeping a border collie stimulated enough that it doesn't start behaviors like chasing and controlling the environment. And that's, we talked about it probably a lot, but maybe I'll do an episode about that too. Um, Sometimes just saying active pet life is not enough. They need a job. And I've seen it these days with my dogs having a job, how much they thrive in having something to do that works their brain and body, you know, in in a proper way. And of course, not everyone can get out and by sheep but there are so many activities nowadays that we can do with our dogs to satisfy their brain and mind and make sure that dogs that are active and that are they've got a lot of stamina can <clears throat> exercise enough to not develop behaviors that are making it difficult for them and yourself to live in a urban environment um i hope you liked this episode it's a bit different from the usual and um but I think he was, you know, is is an interesting small um you know number of dogs that just made me think about this dog potentially becoming pets and how some could be suitable, providing they have the right stimulation and someone would be difficult and you know would be one of those dogs that, at some point, need a lot of help from professionals like me and some of the behaviourists I, I work with. Because they can't, you know, they can't thrive in 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 a normal, urban environment. Um, that's it from Scotland. I hope, I wish you could see, I wish there was a vlog. And not the podcast. Um, I wish you could see the beautiful place. But you can. Go on Instagram. And you can see the podcast. Tay getting a bit bored from sitting down and watching sheep. So I need to get going. And um, feed the dogs that while they're here. Don't eat much in the morning. Because they have to work. So they're probably starving now. So they get two meals together in the evening. And fill their bellies. And be happy. And I'll talk to you very soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Border Collie Geek podcast. If you want to know more about my work and how I can help you with your border collie, visit www.datoldoacademy.com or follow me on Facebook and Instagram.